0: All right. Welcome to the call, everyone. I was just telling Melody that I cannot believe how excited I am to talk with her, and it's making me wonder why I didn't ask her for this interview a long time ago. Welcome, Melody.
1: (laughs) Hey, Jeanette. It's awesome to be
0: here. I know we should have done this a long time ago, but you know what? Everything in perfect timing. You know what? I love that. You said that in your book. You said something like you realized that you never wasted a single moment in your life or something to that effect. I thought that was one of the most beautiful thoughts I ever heard, especially considering your history. That was really interesting to hear you say that, and I <laughs> couldn't believe how much you and I had in common. We have a lot. We have a lot in common in our from our past and how we got here. But before I ask you about that, let me give a proper introduction, just because this is your first time at Good Vibe University. I know everyone knows you, but you guys, we're talking to Melody Fletcher of DeliberateReceiving.com. I think. One of the best, I don't know, Melody, it might be the best LA blog on the Aww. Internet. I, I'm i a huge fan. And you the reason I reached out to talk with you is because you published a book. I didn't realize it, it was published this summer, but <laughs> I'm so excited about a book that's got freaking in the title. You guys, I'm talking about Deliberate Receiving, Finally the Universe Makes Some Freaking Sense by Melody Fletcher. So, no, they, they wouldn't,
1: they wouldn't let me use the other F
0: words. So, uh, <laughs> <so. laughs> you know, creative cursing, that was another one of those things we had in common. I love how you've got a little warning or disclaimer on your blog site for new visitors. So I got to ask, you seem like you have been everywhere. Why Barcelona? You've got a thing for Barcelona. What? Because um,
1: actually, I just left Barcelona after living for there good. so I'm on my way back to the states. Um, I'm going to be moving there, but you know, to live? traveling. Yeah, to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm coming back across the pond. I'm Tell in Germany us, as why. I speak right now, um, and just got back from the UK on a speaking tour. And Barcelona is an amazing, amazing city. I was backpacking around Europe um um in 2002 and i just kind of got stuck there and i thought i was going to teach english i was going to travel around the world and then got stuck there and 13 years later um my intuition finally said okay you're done with this place now move on and uh and so it it i it, it, it will always have a special place in my heart I, I went through an enormous amount of growth there my journey was phenomenal there and uh and i'll always you know i'll always love barcelona but it was you know, I don't question things anymore. When my intuition says go there, I just show up. I, I, oh, don't, wow. I don't try to figure it out anymore.
0: And um, how hard was that to be able to practice that? Did that come naturally for you after you had – you kind of described it as – well, you said some people would call it an awakening. Was that just natural for you to practice, or did you still have to coach yourself to have the courage to honor inspirations that you get like that?
1: Oh, no. It's – um Well, first of all, no, it didn't come naturally at all. Uh, First of all, you get smacked in the head, you know, by the universe one too many times and you finally get it that this really is going to work out for the best. Because usually what happens is you get this sort of impetus to do something and then you don't do it because it doesn't make any logical sense. And then the pressure increases and the messages increase. And then eventually at some point something happens where you're like, oh, all right, fine, I'll do it. And then you realize it was, like, the best thing you could have ever done and worked out more awesomely than you ever could have imagined. And when that happens one too many times, you kind of start to realize, okay, maybe I'm going to just go with it. That's (laughs) all right, you know? And uh and so but you know what um it, I didn't have any resistance to leaving Barcelona. I've been feeling that for a couple of years that I was going to leave, but I didn't know where I was going to go. And then I got the message of where to go and it didn't make any logical sense to me because it wasn't cosmopolitan it wasn't metropolitan it wasn't even yeah. really, you know, a big city. It wasn't international. It's Boise, Idaho. Shut and, up. And um I know, right? And uh and so I'm like, "No." And yeah, it took 2 years and an ayahuasca ceremony to get me to the point where I'm like, Oh, Boise! It is. Wow. You know.
0: So um, well, that was. I wanted yeah. to interject and say that's really interesting because I recently started house hunting. I'm in Utah, and yet there was a part of me that said, "Look in Idaho."
1: I don't know what's going on in Idaho. (laughs) I don't know either, but, you know, and it was so interesting because, like I said, I took it. I was in Peru last January, and I I finally just kind of said, okay, the messages are getting too loud, too, too much, so let me um, take this into a ceremony, and uh, and I, I do plant ceremonies down there once a year. And oh. uh and, and it was just a ten minute part of a ceremony. It wasn't the whole thing, but um kind of, you know, cleared it and realized, you know, why I was reluctant to go there and it was stupid and you know, and uh and so opened myself up to it and the very next morning I go into the communal kitchen and I'm standing there and I strike up a conversation with a woman I hadn't ever met and turns out she lives in Colorado and she does ayahuasca ceremonies and, and I'm inspired to tell her about this one tiny blip of my massive ceremony. And I'm like, you know, I guess I'm moving to Boise, Idaho. She goes, Boise, Idaho, yeah. There's a lot of light beings there. We have a group there. I'll put you in touch with them right away. And wow. I'm like, okay, That's I get so- it. Thank you. I, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, it's, you know, it's all coming together beautifully. Of course it is. Um of But, it was, it you know, is. I had it in my mind that I was going to be moving to someplace, you know, even more Ex- exotic. Than I Florida. was thinking
0: exotic. Seriously, when I think of you and where you've been, I was thinking exotic. Yeah. Boise, Idaho is not. Well, I would see why. Yeah, I would question well, in now, people <laughs> we're gonna well, you and I are practically gonna be neighbors. This is calling for a road trip on my part, I suspect. <laughs> I know, hey. I didn't know you were in Utah. That's yeah, I no, found. if you do in person stuff, oh my gosh. I mean I know you just did you did a round of that in the UK, but boy, if you do that here in the US, wow, that sounds like a party. Yeah, I got to do it in the U.S. And, you know, people are constantly asking me, when are you going to
1: do this in the U.S.? You know, and it's like, well, I'm coming to the U.S., so then I'll do it in the U.S. It's kind of stupid for me to fly over and I have a speaking engagement, so when once I'm over there, it'll be a lot easier for me to schedule that stuff. And it is coming because I so adore getting up in front of a group of people and oh, doing beautiful. my thing and, you know, and channeling and the energy is just, we're just fly high and it's amazing, so I cannot wait to come do that in the States. Um, But, you know, I was in Europe, so forgive me. I ended it in Europe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had ripples of goosebumps when you were talking about doing your thing here in the U.S., so yay for us.
1: Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward
0: to it. So you use the word channeling, but I know in your book you said you think of it more as translating energy. Um, I'm curious about this because... It, uh, what I gathered is you you had studied like some Abraham and some Seth and stuff before you had that moment where you understood how the universe worked, am I right? Like Yeah. And and you know,
1: um and unfortunately after Jane Roberts had transitioned into non physical and I didn't know how to talk to her then and actually I've never talked to her. That's interesting, maybe I should. Um but uh uh just you know, found the Seth material just really kind of opened my eyes. And then later on, um, found Abraham Hicks and, and, um, and Bashar as well, and a big mm. Bashar fan,
0: and, and have
1: always been sort of drawn to the channeled material. But all of that was really trans channeled, which is when somebody kind of leaves the room and they, um, you know, they kind yes. of aren't part of the party, so to speak. Um, and I don't do that um there's not an entity i don't you know say we when i'm speaking um I, I there's no name for it um and so that's why i stay away from the term channeling because I te- it tends to um confuse people and there's also a lot of baggage and woo woo weirdness that goes along with that word <laughs> where people go oh channeled oh i don't know about that whereas you know when i'm standing in front of, of a group of people or just even one person and i'm like look um you know, and I I do my thing, it's like I'm just reminding them of what they already know deep down and I am connecting with the energy of who they really are and I get incredibly wise all of a sudden and, and, you know, I know lots of things but it still Mm -hmm. comes down to whether or not they recognize that information as belonging to them or not and they don't, you know, for me, I think it's more accessible because I asked early on, I said, well, why can't I just be like Esther Hicks and like just give up the responsibility and then I don't have to take responsibility for what comes out Mm -hmm. of my mouth. That would be so much easier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my guides were very gentle with me and kind of said, well, you know, that's great that she does it that way and other people do it that way. But for you, you know, when Esther Hicks says to a group of people, you too can do this, they all go, yeah, okay, sure. And when Mm -hmm. you're, you know, when you're not bringing through something, It also is a lot less scary for people because we forget, we of this world who, you know, spend time in this energy a lot of the time and are interested in this, we forget how scary it can be. When people think someone's taking over someone's body, which isn't what's happening, but mm-hmm. people can, you know, misconstrue it that way. It's a lot less scary to say it's just a translation. So, like, if you're a UN mm-hmm. translator and you're hearing the message coming in one way and you're translating it to go out the other way, you're still in control. You can walk away anytime. You can stop anytime. You can close off your ears anytime. So, you know, it it puts it into a perspective of of having being part of the party. Being in control and not feeling like something is happening that's outside of your control, which is what a lot of people fear will happen if they open themselves up to this energy. And my message is always that um, not everyone really wants to go through what it takes to do this for other people um, because that's kind of a a leveling up of this. But everyone can easily do this for themselves. You can get your own answers. um, Mm -hmm. And that's not hard at all to do. It's just it takes trust and it takes being willing to listen.
0: I love that. I also love how in your book, you told, you suggested people question everything. And I think that when we learn how to go direct ourselves and how to, or at least how to trust the information or to sift it that we're receiving, that's, that's a really helpful thing for people to learn. So do you, who are your favorite inspirations? I know you said you're an Abraham Bashar fan, but who, but who inspires you, Melody? Um, that's kind of a really tough question because everything and
1: no one, um, it's it's always, you know, the paradox, everything's a paradox, but everything inspires me because, you know, this is a phenomenal world. And if you go out and you look at a tree or and this is gonna sound really tree huggery and I apologize for that. But it true it really is true. If you go out and you look at a tree and you and you, you can sit there and you can meditate on it and you can marvel at how amazing that is, or you look at a five year old, or you look into the eyes of a dog or a cat, um, or you just look at the sky and the clouds, or you just listen to people. I love listening to people and, and, and you know, reading people's energy and, and listening to conversations, particularly with people that um that totally disagree with me, that see the world in a very different way and give me access to a completely different perspective that I could have never seen myself, um, that, you know, that inspires me. Um, people, you know, coming into their power inspires me. Watching people be kind to each other inspires me. But on the other hand, I also say no one because um, – I don't really put a lot of stock into any teacher or guru that I follow religiously. And I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody else should either. Even me, you know, don't just Mm -hmm. listen to me. So, um, if some piece of information, no matter where it comes from, hits you and expands you and feels true to you, then go with it. And if the next piece of that information that comes out of that same source doesn't hit you, don't disregard everything that person said, but also don't put all of your stock into everything that person's going to say and say they have all the answers or this Mm -hmm. source has all the answers or this book or this YouTube channel or this, you know, whatever has all the answers. Really question everything and look at every piece of information like it's a standalone piece of information and judge for yourself, is this true for me? So don't give the responsibility to anybody else,
0: ever. It's all within you, and you cannot outsource the shit. Sorry. (laughs) Very empowering. (laughs) Right on. Um, For anyone who's wondering, at GVU, Melody, we often, the first thing we want to know about someone, dog person or cat person, for anyone who's wondering. Dog person. Melody's a dog person, yeah. (laughs) I I love all
1: animals. I love all animals. I adore them all, Uh, even insects, all of it, but definitely a dog person. I I am essentially a golden retriever puppy.
0: (laughs) Love that. All right, so I've got another question for you. I don't know if you're plugged in enough to other LOA teachers to know the answer to this question, but I wanted to ask you, what do you hear them or see them getting wrong sometimes? Is there is there well, something that you see repeated a lot that just drives you crazy? Well, I try not to look at anything as wrong, you know, because there's an audience for everything
1: and everything is, you know, it depends on who's listening to it and where they're at and what it's doing for them in that moment. So you'll never see me sort of um go against somebody or say this person shouldn't be putting out this information because you know, even a message, let's say, for example, a message of anger can be empowering to somebody who is in total disempowerment, you know, mm-hmm. and so you're never going to see me do that. But in terms of clearing up misconceptions around the law of attraction and about reality creation and or reality reception, as I like to um, um, teach it, it's, you know, a couple of different things. And one of the things that I find um, causes the most confusion is that, um, negative emotions are bad and we should stay away from them and a lot of people in the in the spiritual community will not allow themselves to experience the negative emotions because they don't think that they're enlightened um, and to me that's just BS and I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. You are allowed
0: to curse here actually. Okay,
1: wonderful. So that's just total bullshit um, because and our negative emotions, everything that's within us, you know, first of all, there's nothing that can't be spiritual because we are spirits. So when you take a poo, it's a spiritual poo. Yeah. There's <laughs> nothing that is of spirit. Um, and so you don't have to kind of judge what is spiritual and what isn't just go with it but second of all your emotions all of them are messengers and they're valuable messengers and they will not go away until they've delivered their message they're very tenacious that way and a negative emotion is a big fat messenger trying to tell you that in this moment you're energetically heading down a path that isn't in congruence with what you want, not with what you're supposed to be doing, not with what somebody else decided your path is, not as what is good and right, just it's not in congruence with what you want and who you really are. And that's the message that you really want to receive. And so a negative emotion needs to be experienced. It's not about pushing it away or suppressing it. That's what actually causes a lot of damage. And so, you know, don't think of yourself, well, I, I'm too enlightened to experience anger. You know what? It's much
0: more enlightened to experience that anger
1: than to push it away.
0: Amen mm, to that. So what do you tell people, because I'm sure you've run across people who are nervous to let themselves feel their feelings because they're afraid they're going to get stuck there. Yeah. You know, I like, guess I'm uh, self- people who are depressed, they're like, Jeanette, because I've said this to people before, and they're right. like, Jeanette, you don't know what it's like. If you knew what it was like to be stuck in a black depression, you would not tell me to go feel my feelings. Yeah.
1: You know what? And I have been stuck there in my life. Um, not for many, many, many years, but I can tell you, I was there at one point in my life when I was a teenager, and I can tell you the worst thing that people do. Now, this this is a big point of contention because I read a lot of books by psychologists and doctors. I read a lot of books, period. Um, um, who you know, especially positive psychology, these kinds of things. And what psychologists who are coming out with this will tell you that they have studied this and found that people who just go with depression tend to get more depressed. And, you know, my teaching is that if you're depressed, go lie in bed and give it your full attention. Mm
0: -hmm. Just
1: surrender to it. But here's the difference, because here's what makes that difference of getting more depressed if you go with it or actually getting through it and coming out the other side. If you're surrendering to it, you can't do it with an attitude of pushing against it, of beating up on yourself, because if you're lying in bed because you don't really have a choice and you can't get out and you're thinking, I should be getting up, I should be doing something else, you're not just going with it. Going with it is that feeling of, you know, we've all had this, most of us had this, most of us hardcore have had this, we get sick, we get the flu or something like that, and then we try our best to just surpass it, I'm just going to take some medicine, or I'm going to be able to do this, and I'm just going to go out, and I'm still going to do the shopping, and it's okay, and then that moment comes, and we're like, you know what, God, I'm sick, I can't, and then we just allow it to happen, we just admit it, and we're down on the couch, and we make ourselves a hot tea, and we allow ourselves to fall asleep. And we just surrender to it. And there's such relief in
0: that.
1: Mm, There's such relief in that surrender. So if you are depressed, there will be a great deal of relief if you truly surrender to it. And you just say, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what I should or shouldn't be doing. I am just going to allow myself to lay here because it feels good to lay here. It feels better to lay here than to try to get up. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I'm not going to beat up on myself for it. I deserve because, you know, what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, I deserve to feel what I'm feeling, and I deserve the relief of this. And that's already a massive step up.
0: Huge, huge distinction there. I just was having ripples of goosebumps as you were describing (laughs) that. In fact, that may be an answer to another question I wanted to ask you, which is, um, what do you think are the most common obstacles to swift, smooth, effortless manifesting? Like, what's the place where everyone gets tripped up? Lack of trust. Mm. or lack of trust in the fact that
1: it's actually going to go well. Because, Mm. you know, we don't actually need to learn to trust, because we trust perfectly. It's what we trust in that needs to change. Mm. (laughs) yeah. Because we trust more in the negative, and that's just a learned thing. That's not an inherently human thing. It's just a learned thing. Because here's the thing. When you're coming from a survival paradigm, which is what most people are still doing, which is where most of humanity has been through the history of humanity, yeah, it's kind of like this. If you think there might be a saber-toothed tiger outside your cave, isn't it better to assume he's there mm-hmm. than to trust that he isn't mm-hmm. and go out there and get eaten? Because if he isn't there, no harm done. But if he mm-hmm. is there, you're safe inside if you, tr- if you think he's going to be there, right? So mm-hmm. it's safer to be afraid. It's safer to trust in the negative just in case. But here's what's happening is we're crossing this threshold where it's no longer about survival. It's about thriving. And that's 180 degrees different in focus. So now we're saying there probably isn't a saber-tooth tiger. In fact, we haven't seen a saber-tooth tiger in millennia. So you know what? It's probably not a saber-tooth tiger out there, but there's probably some really amazing crap out there that we're keeping ourselves from experiencing by being stuck in the cave. And so what we have to do is we have to put our focus on the fact that – um change is not going to be negative it's going to be positive because most people freak out when things change yeah and and mm-hmm. and here's what happens people come to me and they, they start doing this work and they're like this is what i want to change in my life so we start to implement things and we start to get their energy flowing in a different direction and then stuff starts to change and they freak out and they're like <laughs> wait wait what's happening i'm like well isn't didn't you want things to change yeah but um you didn't tell me ahead of time exactly how things were going to change well, this is where you want to start reminding yourself to trust that this is changing in a way that you actually want to have happen. You're being moved closer to what you want, yeah? And, and sort of the assumption that where you're going is a good thing, is an awesome thing, rather than a negative thing, yeah? And that, again, is something that people can practice by reminding themselves and, because this is how we shut it down. Stuff starts to move, and we immediately freak out, and we think, oh, no, oh, no, this might go horribly wrong. Yeah, and then we kind of stop the flow of energy, and Mm -hmm. so we slow it down by doing that. We never stop it completely because our desire is too strong, but we can slow it down quite a bit by doing that, so a lot of um, benefit can come from just continuously reminding ourselves that when you're moving in a new direction, a direction that you want, stuff is going to change, so when it
0: changes, rejoice, celebrate it, rather than freaking out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. now, I wonder if this was an example of you doing this after you quit your last corporate job and you were, like, really sick. Like, it was one thing after another. And, you, and the way you described it in your book was, like, your your body was just releasing stress that it had been yeah. pent up over all the years. It sounded like you were doing a good job of trusting that, because I was thinking some people, they'd be doing that. They would not be thinking this is a good thing happening, but it seems like you were pretty cool with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, my, I, I can't tell you exactly where it came from, but at that point, my trust, I guess, my my intuition on it was so strong, letting me know, you know, this is a good thing, and that that I was really doing a good job of listening because it was for the first time in my life where I really made that kind of space, mm-hmm. and so that voice that had been inside of me all that time really started coming out strong, and and was kind of shouting at me this is no big deal this is just healing and it made sense you know Uh, and it it just made sense to me Um, and maybe a few years before that it wouldn't have but it made sense to me and so I just allowed it to happen and it all passed relatively quickly Um, if i mean at one point my my foot went numb for two weeks and i could barely walk and i knew if i had gone to a uh, you know a neurologist at that time they would have not known what was going on and they would have done surgery or other things and it would have damaged further but all it really was was just you know oxygen flowing in certain places that it hadn't flown before and not flowing in other places and the body was rebalancing itself and it all righted itself just fine um, now that kind of can sound crazy to people who get really, really scared the second that something happens in their body. And, and they think, um, you know, I'd be stupid to not go to the doctor because it could be something really serious. And if I don't go to the doctor and you can, you know, and I'm not telling anybody to not go to the doctor, but and um, here's the analogy I like to use because it's, it's clarity that helps us to surpass suffering and mm. fear begets a lot of suffering. So if you wake up tomorrow and every muscle in your body hurts and you can barely get up and you have no idea why you're probably going to get scared and you're going to think, Oh, something's horribly wrong with me. I must have at least a virus. if not something, you know, maybe MS or fibromyalgia. Or, ah! uh, but if you run a marathon today and you wake up tomorrow morning and every muscle in your body hurts, then, you know, you might actually even experience that pain with a sense of pride and say, yeah, I really worked, you know, I worked muscles I didn't even know I had. And you know it's going to pass, you know it's going to heal, you know know, where it's come from, so you have that clarity. And I have to say, in that moment, my belief was already so strong, and it it is kind of amazing because I hadn't even done that much deliberate work at that point. Um, But my belief was so strong um, that I had that clarity that this is what it was, and so I didn't get scared.
0: You are so ridiculously cool. I just can't help but think Boise is going to get such an upgrade when you arrive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking, don't make me move to Boise. But I want what you got going on, girl. I'm a fan. Um, Okay, so I know on your – I think it was on your blog bio, you said something about losing 100 pounds. I know a lot of women.
1: I I did, but but some of it has come back, and that is still an ongoing marathon um, where I'm actually – I mean, I have a lot of clarity, a lot more clarity around that now. I thought I had it, and I posted about it, and I was like, guys, I have it. I have the answer, and then I didn't have the answer. Um, (laughs) I had an answer, but it wasn't the full answer. And so what happened is that I actually gained um, 40 pounds in two months without eating. I was barely eating. And, and, and not because I was dieting. I was just, right. you know, working and I was eating mostly raw vegan. And um, I was, you know, eating way too few calories for this weight to come on. And oh. it was sort of that last lesson where I had been trying to get this lesson for a long time. I'm a slow learner sometimes. But it really, really showed me it is not about the food. Um, And it's not about calories in, calories out, or at least not just about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I've learned since then is that the reason that that could happen, because I've been checked out, because people out there might think, she needs to get her thyroid checked. I have. It's okay. I'm cool. I'm ridiculously healthy. Doctors have no idea um, um, how I could be so healthy because it doesn't jive with their, you know. Um, picture of what healthy looks like but I've had doctors say to me, I wish my you know, heart was as healthy as yours and I, I don't understand what's going on here um, and so what, um, what I've come to realize is that it is about energy in, energy out, it's just that we have this assumption that the only way that we can bring energy into our body is through food and of mm-hmm. course that's not true, we can bring in a tremendous amount of energy in other ways and if and I bring a tremendous amount of energy into my body, and my body has not yet entirely figured out how to metabolize that much energy in a way that doesn't sock some of it away, so um, i 've stopped gaining weight, i didn 't gain you know all of it back i 've stopped gaining weight, but um, it was a powerful, powerful message that I had to experience, otherwise, I would not have come to the belief that, okay, okay, it really isn 't about the food because everybody out there thinks it is, so this was a really pervasive belief that I had to get rid of, and then of course. I didn't have the new belief to replace it with right away. I still don't understand 100% how it works. I'm still working on understanding the technology of the body, which is one of my sort of life themes, Um, and I'm getting there, people, and I'll share it as soon as I got it, I promise you, Um, but, like, right now, at this point, I really don't care anymore. I don't care about my weight. I don't feel fat. I don't walk around feeling fat. I don't don't feel self-conscious at all. Um, For me, it's an exciting journey of figuring out, like, how does the body actually work because it's not... And just about weight, it's about health, it's about, you know, all of the illnesses that people can get, it's about the imbalance and the blockages in the body and how to release those, um, and I've developed all kinds of shortcuts on how to do that emotionally that are beyond the book, because I could only put so much in the book, but I know there's another shortcut coming on how to do that physically, and I can't wait, I can't wait. That's
0: exciting. Ooh, okay, yeah. well, that leads me to another question, but before we go from there, I want to say, I suspect... That that is one of the gifts our bodies are bringing us through weight, maybe in other ways as well. But I know for me, I didn't really learn self love until I couldn't drop the weight. Like if I had just dropped the weight, and then I would have loved my body at a particular weight. That didn't right. happen. I had to learn to love unconditional, so right? It she taught that this that that weight taught me unconditional love. There isn't a better gift yeah. a person could give or anyone could give. That weight gave me that. Come on! Yeah. It, there, and once I got there, that's when it's like, okay, my work here is finished. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. How the body works. I mean, but, but you may be wondering. You, you said you were bringing a, a tremendous amount of energy. It did make me wonder. What are you creating next? Because you know how to do some really cool stuff. So, do you already know what's next besides your move to Boise? Um, I know that I'm creating an online program. Um Ooh. that I'm gonna be launching
1: next year, I don't have a date. I've stopped setting dates for things because that always is mm-hmm. blown out of the water. I can't determine the perfect timing um so it, when i when I do know i'll I'll let you guys know but um, so what's happened is you know I have this trauma i have this ma- I have a coaching practice, but I have a massive waiting list, and um, which that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because there's all these people who are wanting help that can't get on the phone with me and um and so, and I've had that for a while, and so um I'm now inspired to create. This, I mean, it's going to be massive uh, online program that's going to help really people to um, to apply this and to to teach them to tool, the tools to shift in positive ways and change their lives. Um, it's going to be very interactive with a community and lots of videos and some group coaching calls and that sort of thing. But people also get access to a community of people that think this way because that's one of the biggest complaints I get from people. I don't have anybody to talk to about this. And it's, Well, you're about mm-hmm. to get them. And, and, and so that's going to be a big, massive thing next year because um, I'm going to put my heart and soul into that. And um, also, obviously, I'm going to do a lot more speaking, um, you know, to larger groups of people because I'm going to be moving everything from, you know, one to one to one to many. So that I can, um, you know, help more people and get this out to more people. Um, And other than that, I have an inkling on certain things, but I don't have any concrete plans. So, you know, it all just kind of comes in um, collaborations with different people. And I just kind of go down my journey. I mean, I'm about to go to Peru in January again for a full month. And I never know what's going to happen there, but it's always awesome. And that'll, you know, give me a lot of clarity on what's to come. So I never try to look too far ahead. Um, um, because it it always changes and 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 then it just kind of all comes in all at once. Boom, there it is. So. I hear
0: you. I hear you on the timing thing. I got to say that messes me up in a variety of ways. Because you know, business coaches are always telling us, you know, plan in advance. I have LOA colleagues writing me saying, "Hey, can I get on your marketing calendar for like six months down the road?" I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in six months. You're kidding me. I, yeah. I like I like having it open. I like having the room to follow inspiration. And what my inspiration is today may be different than what it is in eight months. So I've kind of had a um, – I've thought of it as a challenging relationship with time because I, I just never feel good about planning too far in advance. But the same thing happens with my manifestations. Like if I put a time frame on something, it feels kinky. Like is there a way that you have found – to tell universe what time you would like something to be manifested by or, or is it just best for you to be completely open and free about that? Well, it's best to be completely open and free, but we live in the real world, right? So um, we
1: do have deadlines and things like that. And as long as you understand that deadlines can be moved, that you don't get too married to it, you can, you know, I have general guidelines. So I say sort of I'm planning that for around this date. But if I get a hard and fast deadline, so, for example, you know, my book publisher gave me a deadline and, and there were a lot of people working on that book, you know, so we had to have a time frame around it to schedule all of that. So then I just realized that's just the universe telling me it's going to be done by then. I don't have to you know, worry about making it happen. It's going to be done by then. And it was, wow, cool. you know, and sometimes I, like I move a deadline because I'm like, okay, I thought this was going to be the deadline, but it isn't. We need to move it. And then it feels a lot better. Sometimes you don't know until you set the deadline that it doesn't feel good. And then you need to be willing to move it and have conversations with people. If other people are involved and it always works out. So, um, you know, uh, just consider them general deadlines, uh, general guidelines instead of, you know, even the word deadline, you know, it's, it's so harsh. So just like I'm, I have, I have a general date, an idea around the date, but I also know that as that gets
0: closer, it may move, you know? Okay, cool. Thanks for that. All right. I got a question for you around effort and action. I, I get a little frustrated when I hear someone who sounds LOA savvy And then they'll say, Ann, none of this works if you don't get off your butt and take massive action. I'd like to hear your take on the role of action in the manifesting process. And I'd also like to hear you, maybe these are two totally different questions, but how much effort does it take to get lined up, to get aligned with what we want? Well, it does
1: take effort, but it's not the kind of effort where you're slopping away in a field with a pickaxe. You know, it takes effort of focus because, you know, if you – so I'm answering the second question first. um, But if you um, apply a little bit of effort, a little bit of discipline to where you're focusing on and to choosing to believe the way that you want to believe, because beliefs are a choice, and, you know, our beliefs are just an automation of a choice that we've made over and over and over again, and some of those choices no longer serve us, so we want to change those. So you can choose to believe differently, and you practice it until it becomes um, automated. Uh, which is what your brain does so well so that's the kind of effort that you want to use and that's really what willpower the tool of willpower was created for that's why it doesn't last very long because it doesn't have to it was never meant to It's, it's meant to apply to focus not action So in the book, I break down how manifestations come into the physical, and it happens in five stages. I'm going to run through them here really, really, really fast. So stage one is focus, which is kind of a theoretical thing because we don't really know what we're focusing on until we get some feedback, kind of like, you know, pointing a laser pointer against the wall. We don't really know exactly where it's pointing until we see the little red dot. So stage two is our emotions. Our emotions let us know if what we're focusing on is and what, you know, aligned with what we want or not aligned with what we want. And then every stage after that is just an amplification of that emotion. So in stage three, we manifest thoughts, memories, and ideas. And that's important to know if you're trying to use affirmations. Affirmations aren't working for you. You're trying to change things with your thoughts. It's because you are aligning with a frequency that is, you know, maybe negative, and you're trying to think a positive thought, well, you can't really think that positive thought, not to the point where you can feel it, because you can't really manifest that when you're on a negative progression. Um, So that's, that's important to know. So then you can go and you can get into a better feeling um, emotion using something else, and then go back and you'll be able to think those positive thoughts. So thoughts, memories, and ideas are manifestations. which kind of freaks people out because they think, You know, I'm not the originator of my thought. No, you're the attractor of your thoughts. Yeah. Um, Then stage four is synchronicities, which are small um, um, physical manifestations that are easy to miss and dismiss, what people want to call coincidences, which nothing is a coincidence. And then stage five is where physical action and those big manifestations come in. So that's when you get the guy or the house or the car or the whatever. And physical action is also a manifestation. And it's a stage five manifestation. So it comes at the end of the process. So, trying to change your reality by changing action is a little bit like trying to get healthy by putting vitamins in your poop. It's too late. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't really work. <laughs> I love you. I I use a lot of poop metaphors because they tend to stick with people. They're like, oh, yeah, it's a (laughs) poop metaphor. You just don't forget them, you know. And so um, can you get something done with physical action? Yes, you can. Massive amounts of physical action can yield results. But here's why. Because you strongly believe that they will. Mm-hmm. But it's the hard and, and and you know, slow. incredibly difficult road and slow road to go down, where if you change the beginning of the progression where it's easy to change it and then you let the action manifest that aligns with that, it becomes easy. It's like you don't even have to think about it. So here's the thing. If you're hungry and I place your favorite meal, whatever that is, in front of you, do you have to motivate yourself to eat it or are you halfway through the meal before you realize that you've just lunged for it? Yeah. (laughs) And this is also where, you know, you think about, well, why can't I stop myself from doing this? Why can't I stop myself from going to the refrigerator at three o'clock in the morning and eating? Or why can't I stop myself from smoking? Or why can't I stop myself from doing this action from always yelling at my husband when I'm, you know, triggered and I don't understand why I can't stop myself? It's because... You you cannot stop yourself. It's a manifestation of the progression that you have going, but you could enter into a different progression, and then the actions will change automatically, and so it's so much easier.
0: Mm. Wow, well said, and that is so fun to play with, especially when people um, see the results of that. I think it makes it a lot easier to trust this whole conscious creation process. Yeah, it's, again, it's about the clarity, you
1: know, and when you start to make the correlations, and you can even look into your past, and you can start to, you know, when you understand this progression in the five stages, you can look at your past and go, oh, my God, I see what happened there, and that's why that manifested, and then that helps you to also believe it for the future, where you go, oh,
0: and the present, I know why this is happening right now instead of freaking out. Melody, did I hear you say that most of your work has been one-to-one instead of one-to-many?
1: It has been so far, yeah. That's how
0: my journey is. Cool. And you best. did six oh. figures with one-to-one because a lot of coaches oh, yeah. say that can't be done. A lot of marketing, a lot oh, of business Oh, they're so coaches. wrong.
1: They're so wrong. I know, you right?
0: can't be done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So have you got a secret to share about doing six-figure business?
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing. First of all, you know, envision it. I mean, and, and get happy about it and, and let your vision dance around the room, um, and then don't focus so much on the money. Focus on what it is that you want to do, but it's very, very scary for many people, and it certainly was for me, to see yourself influencing a lot of people, you know, being that light, shining your light for a lot of people to see it, and um, You have to understand, first of all, it's not going to be for everybody. You can't help everybody. You really can't help anybody. All you can do is shine your light, and they can either let it in or not. And So the people that you're helping, it's their manifestation. So all you're really doing is you are lining up with people who are ready to manifest the leveling up of their life, and you get to be a part of that, which is fun for you. That's what a healer really does. You don't actually heal people. You are part of somebody's healing journey, and it's their journey, and it's fun for you to be a part of it. So they put up their hand and said, I'm ready to take the next step in my life. I'm ready to manifest and let that in. Who wants to be a part of that? And you put up your hand, and you say, me, me, me. That would be fun for me. (laughs) Yeah. So healing is a profoundly selfish act. Uh, Even if you are a healer, that is still a profoundly selfish act. You have to put your focus on your own energy and then allow yourself, and often this happens incrementally, allow yourself to do that for more and more people um, because you will be running energy for more and more people, which means that you have to become a bigger conduit for that. Um, And money is just a form of energy. And Mm -hmm. so as you're putting my energy out, you want to let energy in. Otherwise, it creates an imbalance, and that's not good for you. It's not good for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you want to allow that money to come in, but you know, if somebody so is that possible? Well, anything's possible. Get off this idea that something anything isn't possible. Everything is possible. Anything is possible. So if you want to make a million dollars doing one to one, you'll figure out a way to do that. Maybe you charge <laughs> $10,000 an hour and you'll be inspired to do something that you know that people will value to that degree. Um so for me it's you know it's been it's been a journey um um and it it, get, it went when I released some blockages I went to six figures very 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 quickly I went from like $10,000 a year to $100,000 a year in a series of less than 6 months it just it doubled you, a couple months later was
0: I was going to say how did you release the blocks but that's part of your book right you talk about releasing obstacles
1: um yeah, I talked about releasing obstacles and you know, for me some of the blockages were just fear of, you know, um people not being willing to pay me. Um fear of stepping up to that level. Um I don't even quite remember this is a few years ago, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but once you let something go, you don't even remember what the hell it was because it's gone. <laughs> um but it, it was definitely, you know, fears around um Stepping up into that level and really owning it. And, you know, I think a really great um, um, marker for me is, you know, watching what happened to my About page over the years because it was sort of very apologetic in the beginning. It's sort of like, hi, here I am. And if you resonate Mm -hmm. with this at all, then, you know, great. And if not, (laughs) don't worry about it, you know. And then it just kind of became stronger and stronger. And now my About page is something like, or my sales page at least is something like, I'm going to change your life. Because I started to, um, to own the fact and understand and trust the fact that if you don't resonate with my work, you're not on my page in the first place. So if you found me, there's a reason you found me, and you're going to get some benefit from this. I can't guarantee what benefit that's going to be. That's up to you, you know, but you're going to get benefit from this. So I trust that the law of attraction has not brought anybody to me that isn't going to resonate with this. So the self-selection process has already taken place by the time somebody finds me, and I started trusting that, and that just bumped everything up. I stopped taking responsibility for selecting the right clients and let the law of attraction do that for me.
0: So you're making me wonder if you get a lot of people asking about money, or is that just me? I get a lot of money stuff, and then second behind that is love stuff. Do you experience the same, or yeah, of it? those are yeah. those are the two big ones. It's All you know money. Cause money
1: is a great way in because how we feel about money is a reflection of so much of our crap. You know, because it has you know unworthiness in it and it has deserving in it and it has you know guilt around uh, people other people being in pain in it, and who am I to make money when there's poverty in the world and uh, and all of these kinds of beliefs you know and and what will other people think about me if I start making money and you know and all of these kinds of things are wrapped up in money, so money is a great way in it's It's a strong desire that people have, but they don't realize how much crap is rolled up with that so generally when I work with people on money or abundance we rarely start by working on money we start by working on other things and i always have to explain to them you know number one you can't just work on one thing anyway because it's all connected so if you pee in the pool that pee isn't going to stay in a little you know <laughs> corner it's going to dissipate and see the entire pool and um so you know you got it again with the pee and poo metaphors but they do with you you're going to have that visual with you forever um So you can't significantly raise your vibration in one area of your life and not have it affect everything else. But it's also about, you know, because a lot of times people that have problems with money, it is about unworthiness or it is about, you know, not feeling like they deserve it or it is about what other people think about them. Those are the sort of the big three that come in. Uh, And then there can be lots of other things that can come in on a personal level, but that shows up again and again and again. Um, And if you work on those, then the money – starts to flow more easily. So that's why I said kind of forget about the six figures once you sort of activated that and, and, and work on, you know, just feeling really good around all aspects of your business and seeing it, you know, progressing and noticing any fears that come up as you do that and work on those, which may not look like they're related to money, but they will be.
0: You know, a lot of people say the key to making a bunch of money is doing what you love. And yet we see a bunch of people, at least I do, who They make fabulous money doing something they, they no longer love, and they're nervous to leave it in favor of what yeah. they do love. I know that's a journey you and I have both made. Um, yeah. h- what? How would you explain? I mean, it's just got to be belief, right, that someone – and maybe it's that – I know for me personally, once upon a time, I did love doing what I eventually no longer loved. It's like mm-hmm. you no know, preferences evolve. So it's it's not that you have to do what you love in order to make a bunch of money, but man, since you can choose, why not go that way, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's also,
1: you have to understand that loving what you do is not the only factor in making a lot of money. Because there yeah. are a lot of people who love what they do who don't make anything. Yes, it's true. Yeah? And so it's yeah. not the only factor. It's a big factor in it, but it's not the only factor. It's also giving yourself permission to make money doing what you love.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good point. Okay, so I want to hear what you loved most about writing a book. Oh,
1: my gosh. Well, to tell you the truth, um, it was a really fast process. I wrote it in a month, and uh, it it was like just taking dictation. I mean, I was reading it as I was writing it, and there were a lot of moments of like, Oh, my God, this is really good. (laughs) This is really good. This is really big. I had no idea. I knew it was going to be big, but I had no idea it was going to be this big. This is amazing. So that was the best part. It's like getting to read the book, you know, and (laughs) I don't consider myself the writer as much as the birther of it, the mommy of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just like you can't really take credit. I know people try, but you can't can't take credit for having a brilliant kid. You know, it's like, well, I did that. Well okay. Um, you know, uh, this this is how I feel about the book. It's like the book is its own energy, it's its own entity, right it draws its own audience, it finds the people that are ready for it. Um, and I just get to go along for the ride and I feel incredibly privileged to do that. So that was my favorite part about it because I knew it was coming for quite some time I could feel it so I was pregnant with it for a long time it was a large gestation period not just nine months and then it really came out very very quickly needed almost no editing whatsoever Mm -hmm. and my editor was just like this is the lightest edit I've ever done and I'm like really you know (laughs) So we changed a few That's things, like, because uh, it was published in the UK, so we had to change some things that were very American-sounding to more neutral-sounding, so everybody would understand the references and that sort of thing, because my English is very American uh, in many ways. Um, um, and so, uh, and then I had some things in that are very British, because I hang out with British people a lot, and I've lived outside of the United States far, far longer than I lived in the States, so we had to clean those up and kind of find neutral expressions for things. And, um and that was kind of what we did, but we didn't, you know, it was like a spell check, a grammar check, that sort of thing. Um, we didn't change anything around. We didn't take big parts of it out, and, you know, the the, the clarity was already there. So it was a very easy process from that point of view. Um, my, my my absolute favorite part was getting to read the book as I was right. Was, I, I was the first one who got to read
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows how divinely inspired it was. So for anyone who has tuned in since we started, you can find Deliberate Receiving. Finally, the universe makes some freaking sense on Amazon. I guess we could also find it at your site, Melody, at deliberatereceiving.com. It just links to Amazon. Okay, cool. I, I don't sell it myself. I don't get into
1: shipping out books, and I can't compete with Amazon. And <laughs> so I just let them do it. You know, it's easier. But you can find a whole lot of other information on my site, you know, uh,
0: over five You are a writer, articles. girl. Yeah, you, yeah, writing is definitely right up your alley. But you said you've been writing since you were five when your mom would encourage you to – she'd give you little writing exercises?
1: Yeah, well, I think it was sentence. mostly a
0: way to get me, you know, to get rid of me But uh, <laughs> if I was getting
1: annoying. But she would just give me, like, one sentence, and I would go off and I would write a little story. And uh, and she was always marveling at that. It's like, all oh, you need it one sentence. And she would remind me of that later, you know, as an adult when I got stuck on something. I was like, oh, I'm not sure what – she goes – just get the first sentence. You always take, and it's true. Once I have that first sentence, I just go with it. And um, it's just opening up that energy. And uh, And so um, writing has definitely been a form of expression for me, a way for me to express who I really am. It's always been something that I've done well. Um, it's always and yet to you also love spirit. being in front of a group, speaking in front of a group. Oh, well, That's yeah. a cool
0: combo. Writing
1: and speaking is is definitely. I mean, I you know I came well prepared. uh, Yeah, I was going to say
0: you got programmed right for the work you're doing. Yeah. Hey, um, look, can you give us a, a? I get this question a lot from people who are wondering they don't trust whether the information they're getting internally is from gremlins or guidance. What's your best tip for knowing the difference? Notice how it feels. Yeah. Don't worry about where it's
1: coming from. But if it feels good to you, it's from guidance. If it doesn't feel good to you, it's the gremlins. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I like that, gremlins or guidance. That's cute. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if if you're thinking I should be doing that, Source never talks to you like that. You know, your guides never talk to you like that. Um, it's always love. So, you know, if you think about that sort of, you know, it's a mentorship. Source will also never tell you what to do, which is why you, when you try to outsource your decisions, And you don't get an answer. Should I do this? Give me a sign. And you're like, well, I can't get a sign, you know, but if you're not aligned with it at all, you're not going to get a sign. If you are starting to align with it, you're going to get all kinds of signs, but it's the signs that feel good. Now, it might feel a bit scary because you still have some resistance to it, but it's the kind of fear you feel when you're doing something that you really, really want to do. So let's say you really, really, really want to go bungee jumping and you're standing up there, and you're suddenly like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I was super excited about this, but now that I'm standing up here, I'm kind of scared about it, but I still really want to do it, but I'm excited, but I'm kind of scared, then jump. But if you're terrified of something, if something feels really, really bad, so some people might say, oh, my God, jumping off of a cliff or jumping out of an airplane, I can't imagine a worse hell than that, then don't go do that, yeah? <laughs> There's nothing that you have to do, and the only time that we really ever do that, that we say, oh, I should Force myself to do that is when we think that's the only way that I'm going to get what I want, and that's just never true.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So don't
1: limit it to that one way, especially if it's a way that doesn't feel good to you. Yeah. And so if you're not sure what to do, then sit there and say, out of the options that present themselves to me right now, which one feels the best? And if none of them feel particularly good, then open up another option by saying, I know another option exists, I just don't see it right now. But I know another option exists that feels better than this. Mm-hmm. Let me go look for it. I am willing to, to, to see another option that I'm not going to put up with these options that don't feel good to me. And it is amazing what happens when you just make that decision that, yep, another option must exist. Thoughts come You're into your so head right. you could not think about before.
0: Agreed. Yeah, that's a powerful thing to experience. Um, all right, I'm going to set my questions aside and ask one from Chris in chat room. And anyone who's dialed in, if you've got one, you're up next. But Chris says, I want to make passive income writing nonfiction books, but all of the marketing and building of my audience doesn't feel exciting to me. It seems like writing blog posts, emails and promoting is the only thing that gets results. I do enjoy writing and working with others creatively, though. Got any tips? Yeah, stop thinking that's the only way that it can happen. Yeah. That's
1: bullshit. That's just what I said. That's just what I said. I was thinking this (laughs) totally answers the question in that room. (laughs) So the best thing that you can do, Chris, is write. Write and be excited about it and envision your book going out to lots of people and say, I don't know how this is going to happen, but you know what? I'm willing to let it happen in a way that feels really, really, really good. And if, if writing blog posts and marketing in a traditional way
0: doesn't feel good to you, then that must not be your way. Agreed. I've heard Abraham say that, too. The best way to sell your book is to go write another one.
1: <laughs> because that part yes, when you're in is that creative flow. Yes, you're, you're doing that what you love. Flow, which means you're not doing whatever it is that might block the book from getting out there.
0: Agreed. Very cool. So, Melody, what, would you, what do you think is the single biggest thing a conscious creator could do to make the big difference for themselves? Well, you know, the, the one message that I always say and everywhere that I speak, I always say, if you take
1: nothing else away from this, this is the one message that you want to take away, which is you have to make space. You've got to take time on a regular basis to let that inner voice come out and speak to you, and you have to be willing to listen to it and validate it. Yeah, and you don't have to tell anybody else about it, and you don't have to convince anybody else about it, but you have to make space. Because if you're keeping yourself so busy all the time that you can't hear that inner voice, and by the way, you can be keeping yourself busy with spiritual stuff, too. This isn't just about being a workaholic in the corporate life. You could be, you know, so busy making vision boards and 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 doing meditations and exercises. I get a lot of people who sit there and go, "I've read every book," and they can, you know, they can quote all the authors, people that I haven't even heard of, and 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 they've read every book and they do every technique and they keep themselves so busy doing all the stuff that they don't ever make any space to actually listen. They're not actually doing the emotional work. It's notice how you feel. Let that inner voice speak to you, even if it's uncomfortable, especially if it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's mm-hmm. what you're running away from. You think that, you know, you're not going to be able to pass the discomfort. Be comfortable with the discomfort, yeah, and let it come up and feel it and get through the other side, and that's when the clarity will come in. So if you... You know, if, if if you go a little bit crazy, if you have five minutes and you don't know what to do with yourself, that's a big
0: sign that you need to sit down more and just be. Thank you. I agree with you on that. Another question in chat room, what's your best tool for increasing self-worth and self-appreciation? Well,
1: self-worth and self-appreciation are big, big, big blockages, and you can't generally hit them head-on. Yeah, so that's why if you're nowhere near self-worth and you stand in front of the mirror and you say, I'm worthy and I'm worthy and I love myself, it just kind of annoys you and it doesn't help at all. So the biggest, you know, we come at it from the side in many ways, but the biggest tool that I can tell you is notice how you're speaking to yourself
0: Mm.
1: because you're probably being nastier to yourself than you ever would to anybody else and then find a filter i call it the grandma filter so if you have somebody in your life <laughs> if you don't invent somebody like a small child or a grandmother that you just love and they could do no wrong and there's nothing that they could do wrong that would cause you to speak to them with malice or judgment and you would you know let them off the hook so if they make a mistake you don't sit there and go oh you're so stupid you go oh no, that's okay and you would sue them and then run everything through that filter that you say to yourself and say If this person had just done that, how would I address them? How would I speak? Which tone would I use? Which word would I use? Which perspective would I use? And then start to speak to yourself that way. And if you do that for 30 days, it'll change your life. It really will. Because it's like being in an abusive relationship, but it's one that you can't get away from. It's one that you take with you everywhere you go. And if you're in an abusive relationship with somebody, it takes a toll on you well imagine being in that relationship 24 hours a day it'll Mm -hmm. take a toll on you yeah and so that's the biggest tool that i can give people is listen to that self-talk and actively turn it around and then do not beat up on yourself if you notice that you're talking to yourself in a nasty way because that does not help yeah Mm -hmm. beating up on yourself for beating up on yourself doesn't help just forgive yourself and turn it around and say okay in this moment How would I speak to this person and then speak to yourself that way? And it takes just a little bit of practice, but the momentum builds quite quickly and you start to feel very, very differently about yourself. And then do not freak out when stuff in your life starts
0: to change. I love the grandma filter and the tip that don't freak out when it starts to work. Exactly. Good stuff. Um, Does anyone dialed in have a question? I know I promised you a chance to ask something. If so, now's your chance. Otherwise, I have one last one for Melody. Okay, cool. Melody, I want to know what your favorite alignment practice is. Like, are you a visualizer or do you have any – What? how do you make stuff happen? Um,
1: well, I have you know a lot of tools in my toolbox, which is why I teach the process, not the tool. I always tell people I don't use tell you how to use a hammer. I teach you how to do construction um, so that you know which tool to use when. So obviously I have a, a lot of tools that I use. But, you know, the biggest thing that I do is I don't run away from it. So if I notice that something has triggered me, which means that something has happened that has caused me to have a negative emotional response, then even if I can't take care of it in that moment, I put a pin in it. And later that night, because I do my meditation at night, Later that night, I always come back to it and I say, okay, what was that about? And then I feel it. And then I use whatever tool is appropriate for me to use in that moment, but I feel it. And essentially, whatever tools I'm using, what I'm doing is I'm finding a perspective that allows me to feel better. And when I've shifted how I feel, I've done it. Mm.
0: Boy, it's that simple. Wow. It really right is. on. How cool do you feel? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mostly I'm a
0: happy, shiny puppy. <laughs> you are so fun to play with. Thank you for giving us this time at Good Vibe University, and thank you for your book. i got to say I was really excited to see it come out, and I kept getting full. I kept going to your blog to see when it was going to be out, and um, that image that said it was coming soon or something, I didn't realize it was already I out. To I was on Amazon to look for it. Anyway, um, thank you again. I can't wait to see what happens to Idaho when you show up. <laughs> Keep yeah, us. Posted be ready, Idaho. The, <laughs> yeah, to the other fun stuff that you're up to. And I look forward to playing with you again somehow, some way.
1: Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Now we've opened the floodgates, we must continue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Well, thanks again, Melody. Thanks everyone for joining us for this call and Melody, I'm looking forward to playing with you soon absolutely thanks so much Jeanette it was an absolute pleasure to be here right on all right thanks everyone goodbye bye it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper